Good morning. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Hosea chapter 3. Now that's in the Old Testament. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. You know, it's right there in those minor prophets. Uh, I need for you to turn there if you have your Bibles, and I, I, and I want you to keep your Bibles open because I'm going to re, be referring to chapter 1 and chapter 2, and, and uh, you'll need to, to read those, those verses with you. Now, it's always my custom to stand at the reading of God's Word, so may we stand. Chapter 3 of Hosea, verses 1 through 5, and I'm reading from the New International Version. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, that she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn in other gods and love the sacred uh, raisin cakes. So I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver and about a homer and a half of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will live with you. For the Israelites will live many days with the king or prince without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or idol. Afterward, the Israelites will retain will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come in trembling to the Lord and to His blessings in the last days. May we pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time that we can come before You, knowing that Your grace is sufficient in all things, knowing that Your love will always be with us, Today we ask that you give us understanding. <coughs> a very difficult passage to understand, but I ask, Lord, that you give me clarity that it may ring true in our hearts as to what is needed for us to do from here. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for Mark. Thank you that you will bless them and continue to bless them. Thank You that You will surround Him by Your protective care. Thank You, Lord, for all that You have done for us. Today we ask that You speak in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the great novel stories of my time I just turned 69 uh, last week, so, so you, know, you know what my time is. One of the great novel stories of my time was Eric Siegel's love story. Now, some of you that are close to my age, you may remember that. Uh, it was a, a, a story that just surpassed all understanding. And in fact, it was on the bestseller list for over a year, and, it, and when it became a movie, it became a box office smash. And in fact, uh, uh, Time Magazine devoted a front page cover story. It, first of its kind uh, was there. 
But the author of that love story, Eric Siegel, said something like this. He said, as long as men and women are in love with love, there's always going to be a place for love stories. And if that's true, that as Ralph Waldo Emerson says, that that, uh, all the world loves a lover, then perhaps one of the greatest love stories that you and I will ever find in the Bible is of the prophet Hosea. Now, it's a story that's not unlike a thousand other stories. It can be found in Reedsville. It can be found in my hometown of McLeansville. It can be found in uh, Greensboro, New York, Chicago, any of those things. Because it's the story of a broken vow and a broken heart. A broken home and a broken life. But then again, this story is so utterly unique that it's unlike any other ones because it begins to tell us the story of God's heart. And it wants to reveal His love to you and I and people like us and anyone reading and understanding the book of Hosea. Now, the setting of this story finds itself in a city called Samaria. Uh, if you know your Bible times, it, it's where the, uh, the nation has already split, and there's a northern nation called Israel, and there's a southern nation called Judah. Ten tribes up here, two tribes down here. This is found in the northern. Now, when we come to this, uh, we find ourselves really... Um, in a quandary. Because many people have shunned the story of Hosea. We've clipped it from our Sunday school lessons. We've shunned it in our pulpits uh, simply because of the nature of what's happening in this. But God has chosen this story, this sad, broken-hearted prophet to manifest His love to you and I and to reveal His heart. Now, the story is about a young prophet. We might call him a young preacher named Hosea. He's going to be led by God to meet, court, and eventually marry a girl named Gomer. (laughs) Now you say, that's a, that's, a, that's a weird name, but really it's a name that, that's uh, well used in the Jewish culture. Now, when we talk about this, Hosea has much to bring to this marriage because he has the unsquandered uh, treasure of a young man's purity. He has not stopped upon some wayside offer uh, uh, there to, to give himself. And so when he comes to this moment in life in which he is to give himself to this woman, he has much to give. Now Gomer, she lived the exciting life, the upper life in the city of Samaria, and uh, really... She doesn't have that much to bring to this marriage. 
But Hosea doesn't know that because this is a command from God that he was to meet this woman, court her, and marry her. It was a command from God. Now, as Hosea began to live with Gomer and and he grew to know a little bit more about her and found out about her, he found out that the petals of her purity had already been plucked by the vile passions of unpure men. That's why we shun this, this story. Because it is a sordid thing. But somehow, Hosea being a man of God, if this is God's will, if this is God's command, then, then somehow, even though her past may be sorted with shambles and shame, somehow the future's got to be filled with bliss and happiness. But he was wrong. He was wrong. Now, he didn't understand what exactly what was happening and why God commanded him to meet this person, this woman, but it's, a, it's an illustration of how God loves you and me, of how God loved the nation of Israel. And even though there was an, an adulterous relationship, and it describes you and I, God still loved us. And he wants to show us the depth, the height, the length, the breadth of his love for us. So when they come, Hosea, being a man of God, probably prayed about this domestic problem. You know, um, Hosea, being a man of God, was set on preaching the word to the northern tribes, calling the people of God back to to himself. He saw over the horizon that the Assyrian army was ready to pounce. He saw that there was spiritual apostasy and that he spent his days and nights calling this nation back to God. Gomer didn't understand all that. What he thought was serious, she thought was very stupid. And so she didn't really agree with all of it. Now, now perhaps it was Hosea's fault. Perhaps he spent too much time in the pulpit meeting the needs of God and, and trying to call this people back to avert total disaster. Because if they did not repent then God was going to send them into exile. And so, uh, he spent his days and nights there. And so, as Hosea prayed, he said, God, you've you got to do something. You know, the, this marriage is not working and, and, and stuff. And so, there was an answer to his prayer, so he thought. All of a sudden, Gomer became pregnant. And she had a baby boy. And God said, I want you to name this baby boy Jezreel. 
It means to scatter in the, in the Hebrew. And somehow Hosea thought that this, this was an answer to prayer, that somehow this new baby boy would take his hand and put it around Gomer's heart and put the other hand around Hosea's heart and bring them together to make this house really a home. Now, once the baby was born, um, Gomer didn't change much. You know, yeah, she shed some tears and made some promises, but somehow those tears were never sincere enough, nor those promises deep enough. And she went back to her old ways. And so Hosea found himself day by day trying to do what is necessary, minister and a prophet, but he spent his nights praying, waiting for his wife to come home from the lifestyle that she went back to. Now, all of a sudden, something else happened. There was another child that came into the world, and she became pregnant again. And the name of this child was uh, a girl called Lo-Ruhamah. That's a good Hebrew name. And it means no pity, no love, no compassion. And all of a sudden, there was a third child that came into this relationship. And it was a boy, and the name of that child was Lo-Ami. Means no kin of mine. Now, the names of these three children are very important. Uh, first of all, they tell us a little bit about what was happening in the prophet's life. What was a sneaking suspicion became a condemning certainty that these children that were born into his family were not his own. When that third child came, lo on me, no kin of mine, not my children, you know, he said, you know, maybe he was stupid. Maybe he, he just didn't want to accept the fact. But after a while, he began to see that these three children did not come from him. Now, the other significance of the names of these children is that uh, it, it describes to us what was happening in that northern tribe, uh, ten tribes of, uh, of Israel. Because all of a sudden, you know, uh, the nation never changed. They never repented. And so God had to act upon that. When we sin and refuse to repent, then God has to do something. And so, so all of a sudden, uh, the nation of Israel was, was, was being invaded by the Assyrians. Now, these names of, this, of these three children describe exactly what's going to happen to the nation of Israel. First of all, because they would not repent, God scattered them. And all around the world, we find little pockets of Jews here and there and all, all around. You know, even in our own country, we find that. 
but also the, uh, that was Jezreel. The second one is Lo Ruhamah. The nation of Israel has been a nation that has not been pitied. If you walk down the halls of, of the history of Israel, you will find the portraits of suffering of the nation of Israel uh, to your right and to your left. Not long after this, the ten northern tribes were taken over by the Assyrians and they just disappeared. No more can we find those ten tribes. It wasn't about, about a decade later that uh, the two southern tribes were overcome by the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar. Even during the, the time of Christ, after Christ's death, the Roman general Titus came and destroyed the, the city uh, of Jerusalem, desecrated the, uh, uh, the temple, and just destroyed everything. Even in some of the times that you and I know that the nation of Germany took almost 7 million Jewish people and stuffed them in ovens to kill them, to eliminate the Jewish thing. So, so here was a nation that was not being pitied. No love, no compassion. And you look at the nation today, they are surrounded by enemies. The only people that are really for them are the United States. And, and I hope we remain that way. I hope our president and our government will always be on the side of the nation of Israel. We may not agree with everything they do, but it's there. So that that third child that was born into the family, lo me, no kin of mine. You know, God had set up this this world situation. And he says, really, if you want to come to me, then, then as he started with Abraham and built that nation of Israel, he says the way to come to God is through the Jewish people. Because the Messiah will come through there. And you needed to come through the sacrifices and the temple way to come to God. But as the nation apostatized, God said, I'm laying that nation aside. And I've brought in another entity called the church. And now the church, if you want to come to know Jesus Christ, then you come through the church. And that's the way. But now God had made promises to the nation of Israel. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I may lay you aside for a while. And so, the prophet Hosea wants you and I to know that, that when God makes promises, those promises are never denied. They may be delayed, but it's never denied. And so he takes a, a, a little bit of time, you know, in the midst of, of, this, of this book, to reassure us that God, even though he's laid aside the nation of Israel, that he's coming back to them. That they will revive themselves again. And he says, first of all, 
Those that I have scattered, I will bring back. That started in 1948 when the nation of Israel became a, a real nation like everyone else. And, and Jews started flooding back to, to the promised land, the nation of Israel. That's why there's not room for all the Jews now. They're still fighting over, you know, who belongs, uh, what, who, who's really in ownership of this land. And they, they continue to fight. But he says, I will bring you back those that I have scattered. And he's still in the midst of doing that. If you've ever been to Israel, you know that it's a land now that is blessed. You know, I've been three times over there. And everywhere I've been, you know, uh, I, I plant a garden every year. They are just so blessed over there. You know, they can grow almost anything and everything. They are filled with minerals. It's a nation of wealth. And that's probably why all the other nations around them don't like them. They are blessed with military might. You know, it only took six days to conquer Egypt, you know, when they tried to conquer them. You know, and, and they fear all of their enemies, and their enemies fear him. So, so now the nation is being blessed. So it's not lo ruhamah. Lo is the Hebrew word for not. It's now ruhamah. Here's a nation that is blessed. There will come a time in which God will bring back that nation and will work through that nation. We know that from, from the book of Revelation and, and the prophets there, that, that God is going to restore that nation and bring it back. And so, I want you to understand the significance of these three names. And so, so Hosea has just reassured that the promises of God are always safe and secure. Now, to continue with the story, there's a second blow that came to Hosea's family. All of a sudden, Hosea comes home from work. He's been hard at work studying the scriptures, uh, trying to, to avert disaster, bringing these people back from spiritual apostasy. And he comes home, and there are his three kids, but no wife. She has left the home. She says, I, I'm tired of being a pastor's wife. That's tough to be a pastor's wife. And she says, I, I want the exciting life. I, 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 I don't want to be told what to do. You know, so, so she leaves. And what she thought was going to be a better life, you know, ascending up, soon will come down. But here... You know, the gossip over the back steps, you know. Hey, the prophet's wife has left him. You know, suits him right. He tells everybody else what their home should be like, and he doesn't even attend to his own. And then there would be others that say, well, <laughs> I know Gomer, and I know Hosea, and I know their hearts, and, you know, now that she's left, he's better off without her. So the nights are filled with Hosea coming home. 
And he, he feeds his kids. He bathes his kids. He puts them to bed. And he listens to their prayers. But you know, as Hosea, there is no sleep for him. Because even though his bride has left him, he still loves her in his heart. And so as they come to this point in life, Hosea is playing the part of God. And Gomer is playing the part of you and I. So as we listen to this story, you need to understand how we are, and what our heart is like. All of a sudden, as, as Gomer goes away, you know, she falls into the hands of, uh, of a man that, that uh, really takes advantage of her. And as we go down the road, she's being passed from man to man to man to man, house to house, and finally she comes into the place where, where she's not being taken care of. And Hosea is watching in, in the shadows because he loves his wife. And all of a sudden he sees that uh, she's not being taken care of and so he says, I've got to intervene. And so he, he waits till Gomer is away and he, he approaches the house that, of the man that, that uh, she's living with and he knocks on the door. And the man says, who are you and what do you want? And he says, do, do you live with uh, Gomer, the, the daughter of Debiam? And he said, yeah, what's it to you? And Hosea says, well, I'm her husband. <laughs> All of a sudden, he starts putting up his fist and he says, okay, I'm ready to fight. He says, no, 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 no. I'm here because I understand and know the situation. And, and I know that you don't have uh, enough money to take care of her. And what I want to do is give you my silver and my gold so that you can buy the things for her. He looks at Hosea and he says, well, I guess there's no fool like an old fool. He says, sure, I'll take your money. And as he does, you know, he starts buying those things for the home. And somehow Hosea's looking through the windows of there. And, you know, when Gomer comes home, she throws her arms around this man, thinking that he's the one. And you say, well, where are you getting all of that? Well, if you look in chapter 1, verse uh, uh, 8 and 9, and in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, you'll find all of this worked out in, in the story of Hosea. And you say, well, that, that, that's not logical. You know, how could a man whose wife is running out on him do these things? You know, that, that's just not logical. Well, Hosea's not acting according to logic. Hosea is acting according to love. You know, and if Hosea is acting out the love of God, you and I are acting out 
go on. You know, God has truly blessed us. He's given food on our tables, clothes on our backs, the pleasures of life, and, and, and we do all of these things, and, and, and we thank the government, we thank uh, our employers and employees, and you know, all of this, we thank our family, we thank everybody from, but from whom God has blessed. Everyone. And we forget Him. And we know that from Him all the blessings of life flow. But we've thanked everybody except Him. And we've forgotten Him. And so, you and I are just like Goma. You know. So we come and we find ourselves just like this. But there's a a second thing that happens. This man says, well, I, you know, I'm, giving, I'm getting gold and silver, but, you know, I, I want to throw you away. I want to sell you. And so she falls into the hands of a man that really doesn't want to take care of her and is going to sell her as a slave. Well, that's where we come to chapter 3. That all of a sudden, slave trades back in, in the days of Hosea were in almost every city. And of course, they advertise, you know, whoever's being sold or whatever is being sold. And when a woman came, they stripped her naked so that people could see what exactly they were buying. Well, as Gomer comes up on the platform and they stripped her naked. You know, all of a sudden, here comes Hosea, elbowing his way to the front. Again, the gossip says, well, you know, Hosea's coming to see what, what his wife really deserves, you know. But all of a sudden, the, beginning, the, the bidding begins. Eight pieces of silver. Nine pieces of silver. Hosea speaks up and he says, I'll give ten pieces of silver. And people say, what? What's going on? And another guy says, uh, ten pieces of silver and a homer of barley. Hosea speaks up and he says, I'll give ten pieces of silver and a homer and a half of barley. And all of a sudden, the gavel comes down and says, Hosea, you've bought your, your wife back. Notice chapter 3. In chapter 3, this is what he tells her. Verse 2. I have bought you for 15 shekels of silver and about a home and a half of barley. And I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will live with you. What Hosea is saying, Gomer, I love you. And I'm going to be faithful to you no matter what, but I want you to be faithful to me. And you say, well, does God love us that much? For he's displaying the love of God to you and I. Yes, God does love us. 
You know, God has given to man the, the metal that we, that we find in our mountains, and God has given to us trees that, that we find in our forest, and He's given man skill in his hands, you know, to, to, to do things. And so man has taken the skill in his hands and taken that metal that we've taken from the mountains and put it into the form of a spike. And then we have taken the skill in our hands and taken the, the trees of our forest and, and molded it into a cross of Jesus Christ. And then God Himself in the form of Christ comes and lays Himself down. And those spikes with the skill of man's hand are into, our, into his hands, into his feet. Yes, God loves us that much. So that you and I can have forgiveness of our sin. That we can have eternal life through the death of Christ Jesus. He loves us that much. And that's the love of a Savior. That's the love of God. That's the love that Hosea is showing. Even though the unfaithfulness of Gomer, he still loves us. Even though we have the unfaithfulness of God, we go astray all the time. We have forgotten how he has blessed us. And yet, he still loves us. And he wants to to come. Now that's my sermon, but I want to leave you with two things. The first thing is that I want to speak to you and I who supposedly have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That we call ourselves Christians. That we know who we are. That's probably why we're here today. And the message that Hosea wants to convey to you and I is this. What you would not do at your own free will, I want you to do now because I purchased you with a price. You know, out of our own free will, we don't always serve God. We don't always obey God. We turn away all the time from Him. But yet, he says, I have bought you with a price. And that price was his son's life. And you and I need to come to this point in life and say, because of the love of Jesus Christ, I want to do my part. I want to give. I want to serve. I want to be faithful to you because you have been faithful. But there's a second lesson to this. And I want to address those to, to maybe those people that have not made that commitment to Jesus Christ. They were saying, you know, where can I find such love? Where is, where is he today? Where is God? Well, let me tell you this story. And it's a true story. It's of a man that lived in Chicago, came down to, to Kentucky, and he found a wife, and, and he married her and took her back up to, to uh, Chicago, Illinois. And, 
And all of a sudden, you know, after two or three years of marriage, she had a stroke. And she became canatonic. You know, she, she just didn't know where she was. She couldn't speak. She couldn't do anything. And, and, and the man was sort of baffled. He didn't know what to do. He took her to all kinds of people and, and they couldn't tell. Finally, the doctor says, you know, maybe if you take her back home to Kentucky, she might remember something and it might shake her such that she comes out of this. He says, okay. So he took her down. They walked hand in hand through the, the homestead that she was there and all the places, nothing. So he took her back home. And on the way home, she fell asleep. And he noticed that, that she had never fallen into this kind of sleep ever before. And so as he got home in Chicago, he picked her up, placed her in their bed, held her hand until light came. And the sunshine came through the windows, and all of a sudden she, she awoke. She says, oh, my darling, I, I feel like I've been on a, on a long journey. Where have you been? And as he held her hand, he says, Honey, I've been right here waiting, waiting with my love for you. And that's what God is saying. You know, it's not God who is lost, it's we who are lost. And he wants to take us by the hand and say, I'm right here. And I want you to give your life to me, Jesus Christ, and to take from there. Well, folks, that's the story of Hosea. The greatest love story in all the Bible because it's the story of God's love for you and me and this world. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that that as we come to the end of this service, Lord, that there might be some of us that have committed ourselves to Jesus Christ, but somehow we have fallen short. We ask forgiveness, and we ask that you restore that life, that relationship with him, there may be some here today that are still trying to decide whether Christ is their Savior or not. And softly and tenderly, you are bidding them to come to you in salvation. So I pray, Lord, that we might make the appropriate decision in this, your service. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen.